Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Idea Original Sports. I'm back here with Reem and Theo. How you doing this week? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. All is well. So we got a couple of things to talk about this week. There's been a been a few things happening. Well, I just want to start off with the NBA. So right now, it looks like Utah is one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Utah's winning, Brooklyn's winning. I think Denver's bouncing back. Listen, who you guys see as what MT is coming up right now? And who do you see is actually faltering a little bit? Like you said, I got Utah. Hard to, to um, not mention them. I think finally they lost the game yesterday, I want to say, right? Um, prior to that, they were on like a serious winning streak. Um, I believe they may have the top record in the league. So, I, of course, Utah's there. I got Phoenix. Um, Chris Paul has those guys playing well. Um, another team I have that's playing well, surprisingly, is uh, the Trailblazers. No CJ, um, no Nurkic, and those guys are still finding a way to win. They're like, uh, at last check, like fifth in the East, something like that. So those are my teams, I would say. Of course, you mentioned the Nets. The Nets are another team that's been playing really well recently. So that's probably uh, my teams uh, that are seem to, seem to be hot right now. Uh, yeah, Utah's automatic so far. They're, they're playing the best so far this current uh, time of the season. Um, the Nets look like they're getting together. Aaron Kyrie played the two and hard at the one. See what these guys are because it's hard to click with no two switch positions. Um, as far as teetering, I'll see the Lakers. You know, AD went down with a little minor injury. Yeah, that's true. Uh, struggling ever since. And I don't think those guys won a game yet since uh, we got hurt a second, second time, I should say. Yeah, I gotta agree with you guys both. I'm a little concerned about Milwaukee too. I think Milwaukee, yeah. they, they had a lot of losses. I mean, I don't even think the last year, then they lose, like, they, then they went close to 70 games last year. Yeah. Yeah, and this year, yeah. this year, they've lost a lot of games. A lot of games they won. It seems like, you know, teams have adjusted a little bit to somewhat to playing with Giannis and how they handle the other players. So I, I think they're there, but they're not where they were last year. As far as the other teams, I mean, Philly's being Philly, they're actually winning that. Brooklyn, Utah, they're winning. I think um, Brooklyn is still interesting because they've only had seven or eight, seven games, I think, with all three of those guys playing. And I know they got a, another game coming up with the Clippers where KD's not playing. So that'll be interesting to see if they can beat the Clippers without the Another team that seems to be playing a little better, the record doesn't necessarily show it, but um, what about the Heat? I would say recently the Heat have played well. Um, they seem to be hitting their stride a little bit. Um, so they're a team to look out for too, I would say. Yeah, I think I think Jimmy Butler's return helped them out a lot. That since Jimmy Butler's been back, I mean, they've they been pulling up stuff, but he gives, brings a lot to the table. I, I like Jimmy Butler a lot. Yeah, he's tough. He's tough. It makes them a completely different team. So going back to, you know, looking at the NBA and stuff, and I know we spoke about this a little bit. What do you guys think as far as them having an all-star game? Is it, is it um, 
Is Adam Silver driving this? I heard something that Chris Paul was driving this. You know, we heard LeBron doesn't want this or didn't want it. Man, how do you? What are your guys' perspective on this whole All Star game? And then you heard, um, I think, um, who was it? Chime said it was stupid or something like that. I think the Aaron Fox, the whole thing was stupid. So, what are you guys are thinking on the All Star game? As Theo always mentions, uh, it's a business. It's about money. Um, so I would say the main person who's probably driving it is, is Adam Silver and then the owners, right? And whoever the other business partners they have around the league. Um, I heard LeBron's comments, like you said, where he, he obviously didn't sound too excited. He was against it. De'Aaron Fox as well. Um, I don't like the idea of it either, to be honest with you, because you take the top players pretty much from these different teams and you put them in one city, now you run that risk of these players going back to their respective teams having to miss games if, you know, God forbid somebody uh, test positive or some type of contact tracing or there was definitely a concern there. Um, I heard Adam Silver say some of that risk is mitigated because they're going to do like a mini bubble in Atlanta. So I guess they aren't allowing guys to just, you know, free roam, so to speak. So that's somewhat good news. Um, whether the players adhere to that or not, or how they enforce it is a, a different story. But um, other than that, I, I'm not too crazy about the idea. I understand why the NBA is doing it. It's a, it's a money, you know, it's a business. Um, so we'll see. As a fan, though, I'm excited to see it. That's for sure. Yeah, we hit on a lot of points. I can't add much to what you just said. Um, I'm not for it. COVID is serious. These guys do their families, man. What they can deal, what they can do at least, I got to announce the starting five and reserves and move on from it. These guys rest up. They had a small way for last season to new season. On top of that, you know, these guys can get a real break between the best non-COVID, non-COVID year. These guys can get what two months later, so to speak, two and a half months later. These guys are tired, man. These guys spend time with their families. Man. Yeah, I would agree. So one of one of the things I heard about it is that they plan on donating some of the proceeds to HBCUs and to the NAACP or something like that. I don't know what the breakdown of that is, or whatever, but that supposedly that was Chris Paul's involvement. That he kind of, as the president of the Public Association, pushed that part of that part of game one. So if that, you know, I don't know what the contribution is, but you know what the levels are. So I think that that at least would be one positive out of it. And as far as like, of course, the COVID tracing stuff and all that stuff is a big thing. Of course, happening in Atlanta, trying to keep us, unfortunately, trying to keep these players out the strip club. It's going to be interesting too. So, so that's going to be really interesting. So now that we know that we're having an all-star game, but uh, we, we, we look at these teams and look at these starters. Um, I know um, we got KD is the leader leader in the, in the East. We got LeBron in the West. I think you got voted in. We got Joel Embiid, KD, Bradley Bill. Um, I believe it was Kyrie, right? Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie. And was it Giannis as the fifth starter? Yeah, it was Giannis. And in the West, we got we had AD and LeBron. You had um, did that Luca, Luca, and what's it? Who did they have at the two guard? 
It's interesting out there in the bust. I think it's Curry and Luca in the backcourt. Curry and Luca. So now here's the interesting part. Listen, Dame Lillard is not the, not a starter. But I heard something about there was a tie. Did you guys hear anything about that? There was a tie between Luca and Dave Lillard. Who was going to be the starter? And that somehow or other, I think the players, the coaches get fifty percent of the vote, and the fans get fifty percent of the vote. And Luca won the fan, but but um, Dame won the, the, the players and coach. So Luca ended up being the starter. I think it was one of those. It's- the way they broke it down, from my understanding, was like kind of similar to almost like a electoral type of <laughs> system, like a point system. So, like you said, they tied, and then I think based on the fan voting, uh, Luca got in, um, which is unfortunate for Dame. No disrespect to Luca, the guy is, I would say, MVP candidate, but I think Dame. Uh, they need to put some respect on his name. You know? <laughs> yeah, what, what more does he have to do? Dame time is is a is a reality, you know. So I think he should have been a starter. Yeah, he should be a starter. But Luca's great, but Luca not have a year like he did last year. He's not starting wide so far. So uh, I think Dame should have been a starter. Listen, yeah. we get the fans involved. I'll forget. Yeah, and I would imagine, I mean, I'm sure people voted, but it couldn't have been that much fan voting as usually it is because I think they, they just popped it up and said, okay, we have an all-star game. So I don't think it was that much fan voting involved. So as far as the guys that we think of, you know, just throwing out there the reserves, who do you, who do you guys project the seeing like the East Coast and West Coast and reserves? As a Knicks fan, I, of course, I want to see Randall, you know. Get Randall in there. I don't. I don't see him making it. Um, but I think he's deserving this year. I would like to see him. Um, uh, you'll probably see Trey Young on the East. I would say. Um, not a huge fan of his game. You know, flopping around and stuff like that. <laughs> no denying his his numbers. Um, so I think he'll probably be in the East. Uh, there's a, a ton of guys. You know, probably too too many to list. Um, you go down the line, but those are the two who I, I would say stand out in terms of the East right now. Come to mind, I would like to see Randall, Trey Young will probably get in. Uh, out of the East, uh, I like Jalen Brown. He's been playing great from day one. He's been very good. That's a good pick. Yeah. Um, another guy too, Sabonis from the Pacers. He's playing outstanding too as well. Bonus for the pieces, so most of you guys stand out as well as Julius Randle, Trey Young, uh, maybe James Harden. Harden, yeah, James Harden playing great yeah. too. Since the uh, trade to the Nets, he's been outstanding. Uh, James Harden, yeah, I don't him, but uh, those three four guys just mentioned kind of stand out to me the most. Out of the East. I got two other guys to throw in there too that I think should definitely be in consideration. I think you got to think about Bam from Miami, Bam out of Iowa. Because full of guys, yeah. we basically listed all small guys, and we can't leave Zach Levine out when we talk about the post game. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. The so last nine games, I saw this guy's been killing. He's been killing all season, but if you look at his last nine, ten games, this guy's averaging 30 some points. So Levine should definitely be in there, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely wish him. I mean, if you look at overall from both ends of the court, I definitely would support Randall being there. 
but I think it's it's, it's going to be tough. I think listen, I think as far as the good thing for Randall is that the bench is going to come from the coaches and the players, and not the fans. But that's always a, that's always a good thing. One of the things I don't understand is you look at uh, like a, a Zach Levine and the argument against him is typically that his team isn't winning, et cetera, right? But then you look at Luka and his team isn't necessarily winning either, right? They're not living up to expectations, at least so far. So how could you ignore Luka's team not winning per se, at least not the way people predicted or expected him to? And then uh, Zach Levine, you, you use that argument against him or his team isn't winning. So you... you he isn't deserving of it. That's a valid point. Who do we who do we think puts him in the West as a possibility? Because I think the West is a little more wide open as far as who's doing what. I mean, for me, I'd have the one I know definitely I'd have to make Jokic. He would definitely have to be yeah. it. And um, maybe Donovan Mitchell or something. You know, with with the coach, but. Then you got, uh, I don't know if Booker's there this year. What do you think? Booker? No. His numbers are coming down, yeah. Yeah. See, it's unfortunate, though, because that goes back to the, the winning and losing conversation. His numbers are down because CP3 is touching the ball more, taking the ball out of his hands, but yet his team is winning. They're like uh, six or seven games over 500. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I wouldn't put him in, but that's an interesting argument. Finally, his team is winning. He was being hit up before, penalized for his team not winning, why he didn't get in. And here we go there winning. His numbers decrease a little, but now he's not a, a selection, it seems like. I mean, you got DeMar DeRozan and, and the Aaron Fox and guys like that. Uh, Paul George, would you put Paul in? Paul George. He's been playing well. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys, I would say. Yeah. Borderline, if not all-stars. So, you know what's interesting about this all-star weekend thing, too, is that supposedly it's not supposed to just only be the games. Supposedly they're going to do the other events, too. But during the during the same evening or something like that, I don't know how that's going to yeah. work. Yeah, I thought I read uh, or heard at least one of the events is going to be like at halftime of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's interesting. I don't know which event it is. If it's like the dunk contest, three point contest, but that's unless they do like an extended halftime or something. I don't see how how do you fit it in, you know, during I, the halftime break. I don't know. It's, just, it's gonna be interesting. Plus, too, you gotta remember those guys gotta be tested for the bubble too. Like, who are gonna be the candidates in this thing? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, I think the easiest thing for them to probably hold would be the skills challenge because it seems like a lot of players that are in the games are usually in the skills challenge too. But I don't know how easy it is because the dunk contest is usually a completely different set of players than actually playing in the game. The three-point contest too, though. Like, out of those guys we listed in the game, how many of those guys can be in the three-point contest? I couldn't see. Really, maybe Trey Young? Yeah. Luka, maybe he might I don't think then none of those guys gonna be in the dunk contest yeah so like you said now you're inviting extra people into that mini bubble and mm-hmm. uh, exposing them to even more more risk yeah so that's that's gonna be in, that's gonna be interesting but it, it I would tell you I, I, I gotta say I'm gonna watch it <laughs> I'll be watching 
<laughs> yeah, um, as a fan, I'm excited for it, but uh, definitely, definitely some risk involved. But Steel always says it's a business. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if they actually play this game seriously. That's his less, that's his less people. Or something. Maybe they should start doing that baseball format. I always thought that was a thing where the team that wins the All Star game gets the um, home court advantage in the championship. Now, are they going with the same format they did last year in terms of like that fourth quarter was a little different last year? I don't know. Uh, did you like that last year? I wasn't too crazy about it, but apparently a lot of other people uh, seem to like it, but I wasn't too crazy with about that, uh, the way they changed it up. But I think that was another CP3 and company idea. Yeah. It, it, seemed, it just seemed like, I don't know, well, they doing basketball or entertainment. Yeah, it was a bit too too gimmicky for me, for my taste. Next thing you know, they're gonna lower down like a twenty point basket or something. You start losing, <laughs> you get a twenty point or something to get back in the game. <laughs> yeah. So, so we had some we had some other interesting news in the NFL. Carson Wentz is no longer a Philadelphia Eagle. I think we all kind of figured that out, but um, now he's on the Colts. Oh, I mean, one thing I can say about Wentz is when we've just been noted, Wentz has never been a big fan of his teammates. <laughs> so, I don't know how I will say about it. I mean, how do you guys think he's going to fit in on the call? The one thing, like I would say about Wentz is, for, for me, it's never been about the guy's talent. It's always been about his durability for me. You, and you can say that about a lot of players, especially quarterbacks. But that's the main thing for me. So you look at Wentz, I think with the Eagles, they gave up 50-something sacks, something insane like that. Um, Now he's going to a team in the Colts where they gave up about 19 sacks, and that's for the quarterback who's, who's, you know, as stationary as they get. Um, Rivers isn't mobile at all. So if there is a team that Wentz can go to and succeed, I would say it, it would be the Colts just based on that offensive line. If he goes over there and he's still, um, granted, anybody can get hurt on any play. So no matter what the offensive line is, you got the number one offensive line and just go out there and get hit the wrong way. But that that aside, if there's one team that uh, he fits with in terms of um, being able to protect him, it's the Colts, I would say. So if he can't go over there and protect produce I think this I don't know it may be his last shot as at least as a starter so I I, I like his fit in terms of going to the Colts just based on that alone because he has the talent he has the arm I just always questions his, his durability and I guess his, his fit as a teammate like you said too is, is questionable it's definitely a good fit I, I like it from the football aspect of it um, the Colts have offense they have defense they have running game have it all. I got the quarterbacks of them. Right now, they are one of the few teams who will be mentioned about maybe making the Super Bowl next year. It's the Colts. So they got everything. Like I said, offense, defense, offline, uh, quarterback, running game. You know, Frank Wright is a very good coach so far. His first gig as a coach, but you know, people forget that he was in Philadelphia doing um, Winter's early good years. So uh, now he's not with the Colts and reunited with Frank Wright. Reunited with Frank Wright, I guess, two people, all the coaches that he had in Philadelphia. So um, he should fit right in with those guys. And hopefully, uh, 
stays healthy for the for sports fan part. And um, my only concern with Wick is um, holding the ball too, too long, I would say. Yeah. I think uh, he's a gambler. He got a good arm. He's yeah. accurate. He's scared to make plays. He's scared to scramble and run. But uh, this time, he's running a better team. I think he maybe said a better coach, too. And maybe the run game could, I guess, preserve his, uh, his arm and his career. He got to throw the ball 40 times like he did in Philadelphia. And it's like he threw the ball 25 times and he threw the tops. A very good run game. That's online uh, in football. Yeah, for, for me, I think I think it's definitely an improvement for the coach. You know, I think he's got a live arm. Don't get me wrong, I, th- I thought that um, this guy had a live arm and he helped him out a lot. The thing, the only thing that concerns me, as well as a couple of, just two minor things, P.Y. Hilton is the free agent. And the next, the number two is Devin Funches, and he didn't play well last year. So they might have to get some some playmakers out there on as far as the Divas. And then just Wentz coming in and, and working with the team, from what I understand, the reason that um, one of the reasons that Jalen Hurts looked a little better is because you see the players like helping them out, trying to push them along, move them along. And you never really seen that camaraderie with, with um with Wentz. The only person that seemed to like him was Hurts. Nobody else seemed to really want to, you know, want to play with him. So I think he hopefully he learns from his experience with Philadelphia. And with them pick something up. Man, I, I would like him too if I'm Irk being targeted 15 times a game or whatever it is. <laughs> Man, I, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I would agree. Um, he's got to work on, at least from the outside looking in, he has to work on being a better teammate. Yeah. And they got, so bring, they got to bring Hilton back as well, like you said. Yeah. That will happen. Hilton, Hilton, Hilton ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I agree. The, the one crazy thing we got is Pennsylvania teams seem to be making news the news this week. We got the Steelers GM saying um basically not being non committal on whether they bring in Roethlisberger Rock, back. Basically saying um we'll see. We'll see what we'll do that. And uh, I think Roethlisberger's response was something that's, you know, that he'll take a pay cut and do all, you know, all this different stuff. But, uh, from what I understand, even when him taking a pay cut, somehow other is not going to give him the cap flexibility, even if he takes a pay cut. Like they said, he'd have to go from making something like forty-one million to six million dollars to make it manageable. I mean, I don't know. If, you know <laughs> He still can play. I don't know if I could go from 41 to 6. I mean, 41 to 6 is more like along the lines where, listen, we, you just want to play, and you're still not even guaranteed to play. They might just want to move on from you or something like that. But they, they got they got a lot of different guys. They got, they got um, I believe, the linebacker who got hurt. Today. But before he got hurt, still is keeping so I forget his name, and then when he when he came, when he got hurt, he fell off a little bit. He's a free agent, so do you think Roethlisberger will be back this last next year? I don't think he should be. Um, if, if I'm the Steelers, like you said, I don't think he's completely done. Um, I think he has a little bit to offer, maybe to to a team, another team. But if I'm the Steelers, I, I wouldn't bring him back. I think he's a, a massive part of the reason for that team's collapse down the stretch of the season. And he, he just can't throw the ball down the field anymore. Um, so I, I personally wouldn't bring him back, but I think they need to, uh, and I always say this, they need to try to do it respectfully, but it may be too late for that. 
um, because like you said, Big Ben always already hit him with the basically I'll do whatever it takes to come back. I'm willing to decrease my salary, etc. So now by making those statements, even if he's not, uh, he sets he puts them in a tough position in terms of the public eye. You know, because if they don't bring him back now, they run the risk of looking like the bad guy, so to speak, um, just based on his statements alone. Um, but I, I think they should move on. I think he, he probably has a, a, another year or two to offer uh, to the league. But if I'm the Steelers, I, I move on and, and find a, another quarterback to, to try to lead me to the Super Bowl. Once uh, Dupree got hurt, he kind of went downhill from there. The first game, it was it was winning a lot of close games. Um, I think the issue is really his contract. You know, I know he's up there in age. Um, he can't move as much. But remember before in his prime, Big Ben could run. He could scramble. He was running outside, scrambling, plays. I don't think he don't think he could do that anymore. I think he's really more of a, a real pocket guy now. Like you know, he ain't running no more. I think the arm is still there. Um, if they do, if they do trade him, might go to the Bears. Bears, Bears got defense, offense, running game. You know, if I'm the Bears or a team who feels I'm a quarterback away from making a, a, a run, Paul, 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 Pittsburgh for Big Ben, see if he's available. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I would agree to definitely do that. I don't, as long as, I mean, he'd still have to restructure that deal or something because there's no way right. that they could bring him in at that, that one. No, you can't do that. Yeah. I think yeah. he don't have to as well. Yeah, no matter where he goes, um, he's got to restructure that deal. He's not worth $41 million or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But he, he did, at the end of the day, he didn't give himself the contract, <laughs> you know? Right. So, right. um, I'm not. Right. I'm not mad at him. I just think, right. uh, in order for him to possibly come back as a starter, he's gonna have to restructure that deal in order for a team to be willing to take him on, including the Steelers. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I'll say this is this will be his last year for sure. Yeah, I, I, I gotta agree with that. I think I think that this will be the last year because realistically. I don't. I mean, they let Mason Mason Rudolph play, but I don't see him as a necessary answer, long-term answer. And unless they feel like they got the long-term answer, or they plan on drafting a long-term answer, I don't see them getting rid of him. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's nice to move on from these guys, but unless you have a backup plan and play that's better than the guy you're moving on from, it may not be the best idea. Yeah, because if they if they move on from him and they don't have a replacement, then they might as well not sign Dupree, Avery Williamson, or any of them back because they're just going to be spending money to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a waste of money and a waste of a season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who's out there for those guys to sign? You go on sign what? Uh, Andy Dalton? You go Ryan Fitzpatrick? I got a Is name for you. you. I got a name for you. Sam Donald. Sam Donald. <laughs> train, train partner, train, huh? Train. Trade for the Sam Donald, first the uh, late first round pick, whatever they got, first and the third round pick. Sam Donald's yours. <laughs> Listen, you guys gonna trade Sam Donald? And he gonna show out, man. <laughs> That's just luck right there. He gonna get traded. He gonna show out somewhere. I think it's one of those things with Donald too. Is uh, in order for him to succeed, I think he's gotta go to a team. Um, that has a lot more targets. Um, yeah. 
he, he has to go to the basically the, the perfect team, um, a solidified running game. It's not too many teams, you know, that, that have it all in place, ready to go. But if they do, then Donald will be a good fit as a, as using another Theo term, a very good game manager. I would say Donald could be. You know, the problem with Donald is that the system they put him in was, remember, they always kept talking about the read and react system. Well, you got a guy that in college threw a lot of interceptions. The read and reacting was never his thing. His thing is dropping back and having guys open on the film. So he needs players. He needs, like you said, he needs guys that can run them play, basically get open with throw the open windows. He can get the motion stuff in the offense. Not something where he's out there making the decision. Of, you know, he's never been like a you know then read the defense, get into the third option type of guy. He's more of a first option, second option guy. And plus, I think uh, the Jets, the Jets seem to fall in love with these guys just based on their interviews. We had yeah. this scenario a couple of years ago, right? Uh, with Mark Sanchez. It feels like the same thing, history repeating itself. You got to fall in love with the footage, what these guys do on the field. Granted, I would say some of those other intangibles are important, but I think the Jets, they, they a lot of stake in those interviews and stuff like that. The guy looks the part, they get caught up in a bunch of that stuff, I think, uh, and then it comes back to bite them. Uh, especially these guys, you're bringing these guys in who, who typically play in warm weather um, climates and stuff like that. They struggle to adjust to the weather here, and that's why I would be leery if, if we say like the Steelers, right? Because it's freezing cold. Is Donald one of those guys who could play in that type of weather? You think? Yeah, I, I got an interesting question. We're talking about Donald and the interviews and stuff like that, right? Would you rather take a guy who could throw for five thousand yards, who had thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions, and teach him not to have fifteen interceptions, or have a guy that can't throw the ball at all? Like you said, I'm, I'm taking the guy who could throw and trying to, I, I'd rather work to help tone somebody down than have to work to rev somebody up, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's Donald's problem. I don't think he's terrible. Granted, he, he wasn't put in the best system to succeed either. Um, hardly any weapons. He got rid of his uh, his deep ball threat. I forget the guy's name. Um, yeah. Right, from not this season, last season, we let him walk. Um, no, Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. He went to the, he went to the, um, the Panthers, yeah. Yeah, we let him leave. Um, so, no running game, right? Frank Gore um, this past season. So, he wasn't put in the best position, not the best offensive line, per se. Uh, but I don't know if he's necessarily the quarterback for the Jets uh, to usher them into the future. But I don't think it's entirely his fault. Yeah. I mean, around the NFL, we've been seeing a lot of people get cut. I've I seen where, um, where the Panthers signed their safety last year, got, and then we're saying they cut them this year or something. Not because they wanted to cut them, just because they didn't have the have the money to keep them. So, it, what's this guy? I think they, there's some very interesting things going on. Green Bay. Yeah. yeah. These, guys, these guys are just cutting guys because of the salary cap. And part of that, again, that, that's part of, that goes back to what they're saying, the COVID thing. So because they couldn't get as many people in the stands and they couldn't get as much revenue, salary cap goes up. 
when the salary cap goes down and, and you need more players to try to build your roster, you have to start cutting guys. So you, you're going to find some interest. I even heard something where they can't do it, but I heard something crazy where they said if the Jets possibly could have cut Mosley, they would have tried, but they can't. Because he's under two he's under two more years of contract. They owe him a guarantee like $20 million or something. And even if they cut him, they still have to give him 14 of them. So, so it doesn't make any sense. And literally, he hasn't played any night of play two games for the Jets period. So there's going to be a lot of teams up against it as far as this whole thing with the cap and cutting players and stuff. I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a stealer either. I, I don't see how they could afford to bring him back, keep Big Ben, sign Avery Williams, keep Bud Dupree. They, I mean, unfortunately, they, and then we talk about the Steelers and Big well, Ben's mobility. Pouncey retired. Yeah. That was a big part of his protection. So now you're gonna have him out there dealing with a new a new center too. So, I don't know. Ben, uh, two words: players' union. Um, I personally, <laughs> uh, the NFL is a is a massive business. These owners are making huge amounts of money. And I think, uh, and I'm sure they're, they're trying. The players' union has to do a better job of, of getting these guys um, better deals, more guaranteed deals. Um, I think they deserve more money. You're going out there, you're putting your, your your body on the line, your life on the line, and the team can just, you know, cut you um, with very little uh, recourse for it, basically a, a slight cat pit. Um, in most cases, so I, I think uh, NFL has to do a better job of uh, of working with their players to um, guarantee more money. It's, it's unfortunate. I, I get, like you said, business was down this past season, but you can't tell me as a whole that the NFL is struggling right now. Um, I don't think they're struggling. All these endorsements and stuff like that leading up to this this. Uh, this pandemic, they were doing extremely well, I would imagine. So I just think the players union, as well as um, the owners, they have to do a better job of, of, uh, of getting these players guaranteed deals. Um, the ones who are deserving, right? If guys aren't deserving, then hey, you know, you have to take one of those deals and prove yourself. But the guys who are deserving, um, they should get guaranteed deals for, for a significant amount of money. I would say, like you say, you got guys who who are borderline star players, if not star players, getting cut just for for cat reasons. Yeah, you hardly ever see something like that in another league. When do you see um, NBA cutting star players for for cat purposes? You know, so something is off there. Something has to be fixed. These guys are, like I said, putting their their health on the line, their bodies on the line. Um, get them better deals. I would say. This is definitely the year for teams like the Penny Pins, like my Cowboys have been the last few years. Um, a lot of good players will, will be signed for less for any less of their value, so to Absolutely. speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I said this would be a, like this year will stand out more as others as far as uh, pay picture wise. But um, I see I see a lot of late late ending signings. Right before um, the season starts, because guys still feel that they're worth what they're worth. So they, they hold as long as they can 
And so I guess the season might start, the OT might start us up again. They might start up maybe two to three years, two to three million less than what they really want. But uh, I see a lot of bargain and signings for, I guess, uh, low, low prices, man. That's for sure. So this yeah. year, I think the owners this year. Yeah, I got to agree with you, Theo. I think they're going to try to get everybody on a lot of these supposedly make good contracts and stuff like that. Try to get them in there and stuff. Right. So they got, the NFL, they definitely have to restructure how they go about doing the salary cap and that type of stuff. Because, you know, they, they, these guys definitely put themselves in more physical harm than anybody, like Kareem said. And now you have, like, star players coming in, like, like taking deals. Like, um, you know who got caught with that? Um, the safety on Kansas City. Um, really good. Was in Pro Bowl level safety. That he got into the argument with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It's Teron Matthew. Yeah, Teron Matthew. Teron Matthew got two of the worst contracts ever. His first deal, remember, because he had those issues in college, he couldn't get the standard rookie deal. So he got some super reduced deal. And then when he left Arizona, you would have thought from his, you know, from his work, I guess because of the cap, because of the way the money situation is, he got maybe half of what a player his level was getting. So you're gonna have a lot of those deals. I think the Jets are gonna run into that too. How much money are they gonna get Marcus made of there? He's a free agent. He may end up staying on the Jets just because it's better to be with the team you're familiar with. And I don't know if he'll get any offers as big as he'll get from the Jets from another team. Yeah, that's a good point. And plus, the NFL is not uh, normally under these circumstances in a different league, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, these players can bet on themselves, so to speak, and take a, a short-term deal. But in the NFL, you don't want to necessarily do that. You go out there, get hurt, right? You can get hurt in any league, but you're more likely to get hurt in the NFL. You take one of those one-year deals betting on yourself, go out there and tear something and, you know, they go your career, whatever the case may be. You may be out another season. So you, you probably are more inclined to take two, three years deal for for less money, but guaranteed money versus trying to bet on yourself for like a, a one-year deal or something like that, like you would in another league. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So we go from one league where the contracts are not guaranteed to Major League Baseball, where they probably have the best contract guarantee system out of any team. I think, you know, just from their contracts, although they got to do all the minor league work, they have probably the best contract set up with no salary cap and all that stuff puts them together. With that said, Ian Desmond from the Rockies is deciding to sit out for his second season for COVID. I mean... I understand that, you know, that's an option for all the players and stuff like that. But a couple of things. Do you expect that Ian Desmond, after sitting out two years and being 35 years old with like another year or two in the contract, will come back to be even close to being the same player after missing two years of baseball at 35? And is it is it reasonable to think that, you know, think that at baseball they can't get out of the contract? So they're on the hook for those two more years, too. So yeah. how do you guys see that as work? I think he's done in terms of playing. Um, I, I respect uh, I respect what he's doing in terms of like he, if he feels he he doesn't want to put himself or his family at 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 risk. That part I, I respect. 
from a baseball standpoint, um, being out two seasons, like you said, 35, 36 years old, um, he's not going to come back and, and be the same player. Plus, not not just that, um, I would say if he did attempt to come back after these two seasons, I wouldn't be surprised if he was blackballed. You know, because I'm sure the owners are talking to each other, and this can't be something that that they they're smiling about, excited about. I think on that final year of the deal, I think I read that he has a it's only a two year, uh, a two million dollar yeah. guarantee. So I would imagine they're definitely going to exercise that and only give him the two million to walk. Um, and from his perspective, he may not want to come back either. You know. Yeah. But I, I think, I don't know if he's getting his full salary because I thought I uh, heard that he sacrificed doing this at least almost $14 million. Um, it, might, it, it might be a proration or something because it would be it'll be hard to say whether they, if they're going to give you a full $14 million to sit out both seasons. Yeah, I think it's some type of salary uh, proration there. But either way, um, I got to respect what he's doing if he if he feels it's, it's a, a risk to him and his family but from a baseball standpoint I think he's probably done yeah I think it's a mild surprise right. he's gonna do it back to back years um, that should tell you how much he's probably making in baseball for a guy like him to say you know what call it quits man yeah <laughs> yeah that should tell you how much he's probably making um, but I respect his opinion but you figure out, you figure out that going to go for, I guess, a full year, you probably be uh, more prepared or more understanding how to go about it. Yeah. To make a more of an effort to try to play the yeah. following year than just, I guess, give up again two years in a row. So that part, I really, I really kind of confused on, on his decision making as far as, like, you know, maybe he would have tried and then, yeah. I guess, he got scared and then he just retired or called it quits. But like, giving us up a chance after going through this for over a year with COVID, learning about it, learning how to work around it, avoid it. So in that aspect, I'm kind of surprised he didn't try to make that attempt to uh, you know, play the shoot. Then you got other interesting guys like the um the pitcher from the White Sox, Michael Kopech, who in 2019, he had Tommy John surgery, and then he decided to sit out 2020 for COVID. I mean, how do you think that's going to affect him as a pitcher? So now, basically, I don't know what type of rehabilitation he may have did on his own or, be, you know, being away from the team. You had Tommy John surgery in 2019 and you missed all of 2020 sitting out. I mean, is he going to be the same level of pitcher? Because I think he was one of the top prospects they had in the form as a pitching prospect. Yeah. Um, with his... Um... I would say slightly different in terms of he missed one season, right, due to the injury, had the surgery. The second one, they were still at uh, the second season, this past season, it was that unknown, like like Theo just mentioned. Um, so, but now he is coming back. So I guess that's a good thing, but whether he'll be the same player or not, I guess is to be determined. Um, especially even just coming back from a surgery like that. Now you add on, like you said, less, training or training by yourself or whatever the case may be um he may not be the same player it may be one of those scenarios too who who knows maybe he would have sat out a third season if he would have made the money um that some of these guys make but he never really uh, he's still a prospect so he never really got that big deal but i i would like to see him come back be successful um but i don't know if he'll be the same player and if he is it'll 
it'll probably take him some time, you know, to, to get back into the swing of things after missing two straight seasons. Maybe he used COVID uh, as an excuse. Never know. Sometimes you need more time from Tommy John surgery. That's true, too. Yeah, over the good excuse to use, we need more time to you know heal, heal, and get better, and work on your confidence and your arm rotation, arm flexibility, so to speak. You know, so on. Uh, maybe COVID could have been an excuse, but uh, I wish it got the best, man. You know, it, it's tough, man, have Tommy John surgery and for this COVID pandemic. Yeah, you know, it's kind of tough, man. So uh, with that being said, I hope he comes back. At least try to make a comeback and at least hopefully he'll be great again. Just, yeah. just as good as he was before he got hurt. See, for me, I, I definitely will think that, you know, the decisions they make, you know, for their families and different things, you got to respect those decisions. I do think baseball is probably one of the hardest sports to adjust to after long layoffs. I, I, I think, you know, especially, I mean, especially, you know, pitchers and hitters, I mean, you should be able to still fill the position unless you lost a step or something that way, but you know, having losing pitching velocity and you know hand-eye coordination to hit the ball, you miss a couple of seasons or something. It's a curve. I mean, you have a few other friends, guys, like the craziness that Cespedes pulled with the Mets, where he showed up then disappeared. Well, I haven't heard anything about him this year. I mean, is he even still on the Mets roster? Or no. I don't know what's going on with him. But, you know, you you have you have guys that I think I mean it'll be interesting to see how some of these guys perform. I wouldn't be surprised to see if the guys that actually played last year perform better than the guys who sat out at least early on. Mm-hmm. That's a point. Yeah. Now, are they doing a are they having a full uh, 162 game season this year too? Yeah, I think they they refused they refused to shorten state the major league baseball they have a strong user they refused to shorten season they refused the universal DH so they 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 um they basically shot down a lot of things I think that universal DH thing hurt some of the National League teams though I think they were actually preparing to have that universal DH and then yeah. when they got taken away it kind of had to change some of the thought process. Yeah, that changes how you potentially build out your roster too. Yeah, you figure if you if you can find a good hitter just to be a DH, that'll help you plate more runs. You go out and you sign this guy, and then after you sign a guy, they decide that they don't want to do it. Now you yeah, gotta like, now you gotta find somewhere to squeeze them on the field to, to get playing time. Yep. I like the DH rule. I love it. Everyone have a picture. <laughs> Batting ninth, you know, I, I, I mean, I hope it hit, man. Yeah. I've been all the time. Always did as a little kid. Always did, always good. Yeah, I, I think the DH rule is really good. I mean, I, I mean, you got some guys, some pitchers that can hit. I mean, it's fun to watch or something, but it's not something you use and you're looking to have. Like, I got the best, I got the best hitting pitcher. Okay, great. So you got the guy that hit 220 this year or something. I mean, who could have hit we would rather have batting three times. Cesar Sabathia or Harold Baines? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As a fan, you definitely love the DH. I think uh, it maybe adds a little strategy here and there. 
like with the pitcher, do you pull them out of the game or whatever to substitute in a hitter? Or so it has a little strategic element, but the university, right. I think, needs to be implemented at this point. Fans, like yeah. I said, fans don't want to see pitchers trying to hit the same way I wouldn't want to see hitters trying to pitch. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, if you notice, fellas, I'm sorry, you notice the pitchers always batting up when guys on base. You ever notice that? Yeah. Always two guys on base. Yeah. Always guys on always guys on base, but he's batting all the time. Well, you think about it, you're right. It destroys the strategy too. So think about it. If you got a pitcher, if you got two guy on first and second, you got the pitchers up. You know what you're doing, right? Right. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Big Harold Bank said times about that. Come on. Think about it. you got a guy, you got a you got you got a you got a guy on second and third. You got a batter and the pitcher coming up after him. <laughs> I'm walking. Somebody's getting a free base and we walk. Somebody's getting to walk to get to the pitcher. Yeah. Let him yeah. It definitely destroys the strategy of the game. Because now, yeah, now you're trying to intentionally get to the pitcher mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. Yeah, that's that's you you seen that. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, some teams are so bad that the pitcher might be the guy you want to walk. For the hit. Like I watched a couple of Mets games last year, <laughs> and you might have wanted to walk the pitcher to get to the hitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, but guys, I've been watching a lot of NCAA, and those games seem to be heating up as we get closer towards the, you know, the, I guess the, the COVID-related conference tournaments is going to be a little different. But. There's been the, the the top 25 this year has been a little bit topsy turvy. I mean, none of the, not, well, the, some of them are creeping back in, but none of the blue bloods, the North Carolinas, Dukes, and Kentuckys, those guys are all way on the outside looking in. I think, I think North Carolina is the closest. Last time I checked, to actually making it. Duke got a good win yesterday against Virginia. I mean, it, it kind of tells you like like how basketball is being played and what's actually going on. That you got guys that are ranked high losing to teams that you would have thought would have been good that are just not ranked now. Like Tennessee lost to Kentucky, so we got some some interesting interesting things going on in this rankings and stuff. You guys see anything with where you know what do you guys think of this whole change and you know the blue bloods being out and. The, teams just being in there because I think it's fun to see myself. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think the NCAA started out this year a bit um, messy from basketball and college football um, standpoint. It was a little bit all over the place, but so I, I think that has something to do with it, but I think it's more of um, some of these smaller schools just catching up in terms of talent. Um, guys are playing hard. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, one of the interesting things um, is the guy from Duke, right? The kid from Duke, didn't he essentially quit on his team? Yeah. Like the small forward, power forward, I forget his name. Jalen um, Johnson, I think, or something like that. Uh, Johnson, right? So he yeah. essentially quit on the team, and, and I guess I'm assuming he's getting ready for the, for the draft early or something. But I find that interesting because here it is. That might explain some of why Duke is losing, right? I'm not saying the guy wasn't out there playing hard, but you got a guy out there with that type of mindset, right? It shows that he's he's definitely not thinking team, right? Definitely out there thinking about himself. He's not worried about whether the team is, is winning games or not. 
And I'm sure it's not just him. Um, so I think that's factoring in. And I think uh, the smaller schools are getting better, um, less practice time, et cetera. But <clears throat> I think uh, more than anything else is just transparency um, among the, the smaller schools, but the, the top schools. Small schools are just getting better, I would say. Yeah, I think UNC will make it out the Blue Buds. Uh, do kind of big win, so they're doing the right side of track as uh, somebody has like as the first four out into yeah. the tournament. Um, Kentucky has a bad record, though, but they've been playing pretty good the last seven games. Kentucky yeah. Falling out. Yeah. Once guys to blow out Tennessee like they did yesterday is a tough sign. So maybe these guys sometimes you can just click at the right time. You know, see if these guys are jumping together, playing together. So um, plus. Even the old tournament is all Miami Bay. These guys are playing well, so you never know what Kentucky do. Yeah. They really don't, don't say how good they, how good they should be. Um, but as far as Blue concerned, it's always good to have Blue Bloods have a down year. Unless somebody else come out of nowhere and be good, you know, like they have Michigan, Michigan is a very good team this year. Yeah. Ohio State is yeah. very good. Yeah. Ohio State. Jawan Howard has those guys playing ball. Yeah. Yeah, they do. You sure do. Let them credit on that. You sure do. But um, it still comes down to you know. I was ask you guys this: What team do you see who could be who could beat um Gonzaga? I mean, I would have liked that seen that game earlier this year. It got postponed. It wasn't Gonzaga supposed to play Baylor, and it got postponed. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, those guys look real tough. I mean. Yeah, out of out of those blue buds, Kansas managed to get back in for a couple of good wins recently, so oh, they're yeah. pretty good. But you know what I think is happening too? I mean, I think think even COVID is affecting this because I think certain schools are getting the players to stay home or stay close to the home, and they lax that transfer rule where you could just play and you could go. Like a team like Illinois, if you look at their roster, a lot of people are from Illinois and from Indiana, you know, from the area. So. They got so they've managed to keep their best players. I think a lot of a lot of these a lot of these other schools like these these bigger name guys like what's happening to Duke. I mean, I really think that those guys should consider going to the D League. If you really don't want to be there, I mean, just take the money, go do that because at least I can respect those other guys, Jalen Green and Kaminga and them and, and Isaiah Todd and the other cut and Knicks that they decided that you know what. I just I get the money. I play in the league because the teams are not for me. Because I think Todd was Todd's from Michigan. He was supposed to go to Michigan. And I think Green might have been going to Duke or something like that. Or but these guys, these other guys, if you really don't want to play, just go over there and make some, make a couple of hundred thousand or whatever, prepare for the league and stuff like that. Because I don't know if you guys got to see this, like you know, as opposed to the college games, they've been doing a lot more promoting the G League games than I've ever seen since this Ignite team's been on there. They've been airing the games, talking about them, or NBA games, all types of stuff. So, yeah, I probably you pretty good too. These are pretty good. Yeah, good. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think it's gonna be. I think the NCAA. They're about to hit a real tough spell, and I think this year it might have been a telltale sign with the guy from Duke saying that he don't want to play no more. You got him. You got a couple of guys that I think that are not really helping themselves either, like Brian Boston on Kentucky and the other kid, Terrence Clark. Those guys, I mean, 
before you seen him on Kentucky, we'd have been trying to determine whether Brian Boston was going to be three, four, or five. Now that you've seen him on Kentucky, I mean, he doesn't look as polished or something that he did, you know, coming out of high school. Clark, I mean, to his credit, it might be better that he's injured, that he's not playing. So it's, it's like a lot of these guys are coming into college now, and they were saying, you know, when you were a big fish on your high school team or your AAU team and you're getting all that exposure and stuff, you come here and you play against like bigger, more physical guys. Because even though Kentucky beat Tennessee, you could tell the difference between those guys' body type, you know, and the physicality that they have. Huge sprinter, right? Sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy is huge. You know, he's got to weigh at least 210, you know, 6'5, a big, big guy. Like yeah. you said, Boston, gone, he hasn't really um, gone against too many guys like them on a nightly basis. That's why I think, you know, going back to what we always talk about, I think, I do think a guy like Kate Cunningham will come into the league and be more prepared than some of these guys because. He has the physical strength to be effective right now. Dave Cunningham, um, the guy on Arizona State, like Josh Christopher, those guys are like really, you know, right now they're ready to be built, built NBA players. The one thing I'll say about Boston is, uh, if you if you look at it, right, Boston has one thing going in his favor, and that's uh, he could always basically, to some degree, and he has been playing better recently. But to some degree, he could hide, so to speak, behind Kentucky's depth. And what I mean by that, right, is you look at Devin Booker, right? Devin Booker, when he came out, was coming off the bench for Kentucky. Emmanuel yeah. quickly didn't even start his freshman year, end up winning, uh, I believe, conference player of the year, whatever it is, his, his sophomore year. But that may be the same thing with, with Boston in terms of, I don't know if he'll stick around for another year, but he could sort of, uh, use that right to say the same thing with Tyler Hero, right? Tyler Hero didn't put up huge numbers yeah. uh, at Kentucky either. So it's one of those things where they have so much depth that you these guys generally don't put up huge numbers, but once they get to the to the league, and the the um, court opens up for them, the spacing is better, yeah. speed is is more suitable for their games. They perform uh, a lot better. So I think Boston may fall into that category where he's just not necessarily a college player. He still has holes in his game that he has to work on, um, has to get stronger. But who, who doesn't, right, coming in as a freshman? But I think he could probably use that and some teams will take a shot on him just based on that, based on Kentucky's history of producing these, these guards that don't necessarily put up gaudy numbers in, in college. Yeah. I do think the NBA is getting smart enough to look past some of these college performances because if you look at some of the players, the way they played in college and then how they translated to the NBA, it's completely different. I mean, you're playing against a, a group of people where you're playing a lot of zone, and then you assume you, you got a lot of guys who say getting schemed against or something as far as, you know, they know this particular player, so we're going to take him out of the game and stuff like that. Another perfect example of it is uh is um what about Jalen Suggs, right? He's probably the third leading scorer on his team, right? But yet we know he, he's probably the most uh the best prospect they have on Gonzaga. Right? Yeah. Putting up these huge guardy numbers like uh two of his teammates are. Um 
And it, it just has more, I think, to do with the play styles, how the team uses them. If you put the ball in Jalen Suggs' hands and run pick and roll with him 30, 40 times a game, he'll average 25 points, 30 points. <clears throat> but they don't really play that style like Gonzaga. So I think that has a lot to do with it, you know? I've seen a couple of kids I've been pretty impressed with that that I think that they probably translate too. Like you guys, Evan Mobley from USC. That kid seems to be pretty tough. Like the seven foot kid, it seems like he can do everything. They got the the, um, the kid from Illinois that keeps got a couple of triple doubles recently. So they they got a couple of guys out there that I think are going to creep up on those, those draft boards and stuff. Where it'll, it'll make interesting. I definitely think it's a lot of talent out there. I think it's probably more depth as far as talent-wise than, than there is roster spots in the NBA. The NBA is always interesting like that because you got a first and second round draft that so you basically drafted 60 people. But we all know there's not 60 roster spots available in the league or something. One thing he's been doing, uh, uh, which was a good idea, was the two-way contracts. A lot of teams have been making good use of those two-way contracts. I would say the Knicks being one of them, right? The Knicks have been doing a good job of leveraging their G League teams and two-way contracts pretty pretty well. So, um, yeah, that, that helps mitigate some of what you're saying because there's probably not going to be 60 roster spots right off the bat for these guys to, to all move into coming, coming into the league. So stash them in the G League or, or throw them a two-way contract and see what they have. It's the late late picks that is I do think that some of these teams uh, that that they'd be better off bringing some of this young talent up and I know you know just just like because you mentioned the Knicks I mean you have you have so there's players that the Knicks have like especially at some of the guard positions that probably have just as much talent if not more than maybe some of these guys they have up you know up with, up with the league so I think one of the problems the league has in general like you take the guy um you take the guy that got traded from Cleveland that's playing in the G League for Houston or something. They can, they can Porter Jr. Porter. Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. They can use him right now. So, I mean, it, what happens? It, what happens is they got to free up roster spots. And you've been hearing, I've been hearing different things about maybe PJ Tucker getting traded and stuff like that. If he gets traded, they'll probably bring Porter up. But I think it's a fine balance when you see these teams. They got to decide who, what type of team or who they're gonna be because. Yeah, some teams filled up with with young people, some teams filled up with a mix, and some people with a lot of old guys. If you don't see a, like, like a, I think Pat Riley has something like this, like the way he structures his salary cap, that the top eight guys get paid almost all of the money, and everybody else gets, like, league minimum. Excuse me, if you're not going to be in the rotation, this is my thing. If you're not going to be in the rotation, right, and unless you have some kind of, like, Ex superstar, star, or have some kind of like training benefit for the young people. Why would I just keep an old guy just sitting on the bench at the end that I can't really find value for? Like, if you're not helping the young kids get better, or you're not you're not contributing, I'd rather get a keep rotating those bottom positions out to try to get people in there who could possibly help. Taz yeah. Gibson doing that. Yeah, see, that's yeah, he's beneficial. He's, he actually goes out, he contributes, and helps this guy to stop, you know, learn how to not foul so much and, you know, do certain things. So, hell, I can even see Charles Gibson down the road become a coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see him. Yeah. 
he's he's a guy that's gonna be on tip staff in the future. I can see that. Yeah, I can see it too. Yeah. So guys like that you need. But if you look at some of these these other guys' rosters and you, you look at it like why are these guys on there? Like I give you a perfect example and I give him credit for playing in the G League. Remember Amir Johnson used to be on everybody's roster just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Now he's playing in the G League. He decided he wanted to play. They let him play, so he wanna play. Yeah, why not? Um, work on your game. He's made a decent amount of money. Like you said, just sitting on the end of a bench for a good portion of his career. Why not work on your game? Maybe some another team sees you down there and, and you get another shot to come up. Yeah. I, I think the G League eventually is going to become a much more bigger thing as far as developing players, getting players minutes and doing stuff like that than what it is now. But I, I can see that expanding. I think that's going to become like a big competition for the NCAA. I think soon, like the way they're going after all these players, you might find a situation where most of the top players might might opt for the D League and you got some kids may still opt for Europe, depending on what the money is. But if you look at this year, let's say I'm a, say I'm a top 10 high school player and I'm looking up, I go to Duke, maybe we'll win. If I go to Kentucky, I'm going to be over there with another 10 guys just like myself. I go to North Carolina, maybe we win. And you, you get to a point like, well, not everybody's making a league. Anything could happen. And what's my gonna? I, I need to go get this guaranteed money. So that's that's what's gonna end up happening. And uh, the um, from my understanding, uh, Ignite was just kind of like a pilot program for that. But I'm sure so far it seems to be successful. Don't don't be surprised if next season you see another version of it, right? Because you don't want to put all these top guys on the same team. You don't want the Ignite. Everybody yeah. ignite, right? Yeah, you yeah. want to start out a little bit. At least have another top team of all these for all these uh, high school players to go to. So don't be surprised if next season you see another ignite type of team uh, in the G League. But so far, it's supposed to be successful. I've watched Green Kaminga. To me, those those two guys are probably uh, top five picks. Uh, yeah, playing down there. And then Knicks, like you said, Knicks has looked pretty good. Um, Todd, so I think they they are seeing the success and they'll probably start another one. I wouldn't be surprised. What I like is what they did for the kids too is that not only they paying you, but it also comes with a what's it with a um, five year college scholarship. So you can get to go to school even if you don't make the league. That's guaranteed to you. So you're guaranteed to get a college education for free. So that, that's, that's a good, good thing. And we know that. Yeah, that's good. Now, one of the things is if you don't necessarily get handpicked by that Ignite team, I wonder if they'll expand it where um, you could end up on the Ignite team, so to speak, right? If you don't necessarily get drafted. Let's say I, I go... I don't get drafted by the Ignite team, but I end up performing. I'm a top performer. I'm Kevin Porter. Um, the G League money, other than the Ignite team, isn't as much, right? So if I'm Kevin Porter, I don't get called up, but I'm putting up these gaudy numbers. Can I move over to the Ignite team at least and get, you know, a couple hundred thousand if they think I'm good enough? Or, is, you know, I wonder if they'll expand it in those type. Uh, types of opportunities will be available. 
You know what? That that would be good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that because you gotta you gotta figure they're gonna they if they're trying to expand and they're trying to make it like legitimize it. Like um, minor league baseball makes millions of dollars. It's, that's a real you know that's a real thing. It's not just you know a, like a, a thing that just give people an opportunity to show they playing baseball. You know, especially I think I think double A makes more money probably than triple A or something. Because it seems like most of people get called up from double A and not triple A. But they was they make a lot of money with those those teams. So if the NBA could set up something like I think um just recently Denver Denver made a deal to buy um one of the one of the teams. So with the, I think every NBA team, there's still some teams that don't have a G League team. So I think every NBA team should consider it. I wouldn't be surprised to see what the NBA is trying to expand if you had like a a team from China or a team from from overseas or something get in there. Because I, I well I believe on that Ignite team, I think there's a kid from China on that. Wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, I think we got some interesting matchups this week coming out from college and stuff. And this will be a big week because, listen, in baseball, we got the camps reopening. Anything you guys looking forward to seeing this week in sports coming up? Um, just in general, being able to watch sports, of course, for me, I mention it every week, is, uh, is a big thing, during, especially during the pandemic. So nothing in particular for me. Um, I just... I'm glad I'm able to watch sports and discuss it with you guys week in and week out. So nothing in particular, but yeah, it's, it's exciting as usual um, this upcoming week. Yeah, it's good to have the fans come back to the arenas and stadiums for these sports events. That's real good. It's good to see that there's a sign of showing some progress with this COVID, this COVID situation going on among us. Um, and of course, I always love watching the uh, the brackets of March Madness, man. I love watching those brackets, man, on March time. So I'm looking forward to uh, March Madness coming up pretty soon. And, uh, you know, other than that, man, you know, I was always look forward to another, another week of Focus uh, uh, Sports with you guys. Thank Thank I love talking to you guys, having these conversations and talking about sports. You know, it's nothing more fun than talking about sports and stuff. I mean... Again, I'm looking forward to everything that's coming on this week, and I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Oh, rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. You know, he passed away this week. And again, you know, thank you guys, and good night. Enjoy, fellas. <laughs>